You're listening to the following program on TFN Audio from the Fantasy Network, where independent creators and fans of fantasy, sci-fi, horror, and gaming meet to create, stream, and support the shows that they love. Creator-distributed, fan-supported, that's TFN. Find this and many more great programs at watch.thefantasy.network slash audio. Cats, boys, and Indians. Roads? Where we're going, we don't need roads. Dr. Emmett Brown, Back to the Future. Summer. One. This is a first in the history of this agency, Jim said. He, Mercedes, and Andrew were sitting in the kitchen in Jim's house on Market Street, which had recently become the relocated office of Tempest Investigations. Battles with tentacle monsters that ripped the walls down tended to make the owner dip into your security deposit. And Jim had, in fact, been asked to vacate the office immediately. This was less of a problem than it sounded since his own house had, for years, been little more than a place to store his souvenirs and keepsakes from his long life. Andrew and Mercedes had both pitched in, clearing and remodeling the classic San Francisco house into an inviting office. Glass doors on the front porch, a reception area in what used to be the living room, and offices and some of the other downstairs rooms. Jim had kept his bedroom upstairs, and had offered Andrew to temporarily settle down in one of the rooms on the top floor under the roof. Jim had accepted gladly, finding the slanting walls to be quite cozy. What is the first? Mercedes asked. She was holding a cup of coffee in one hand while using the other to write a text message on her cell phone. It's the first time we actually have three full-time employees working here. That means we have the choice of making actual work teams. Sending people who we think will suit the job best. Mercedes, what are you writing? I'm trying to run a meeting here. Sorry. Mercedes finished the text and put the phone down. My friend Clarice was just asking me about the party tonight. I helped set it up and it's going to be so much fun. It's Western themed. That's great. But you said you wanted more active assignments along with your job and reception. If you want that, you need to keep your attention on me when I try to run a meeting. Geez, sorry, Jim. Mercedes put the phone in her back pocket. You sound tense. Is something wrong? No, I'm fine. I just like people to pay attention to me when I talk. Let's go on with the meeting. What sort of cases are you talking about? Andrew asked. He put his one leg up on the kitchen table, earned a strict look from Mercedes, and took it down again. I have two cases right now. One is investigation, one is surveillance. Surveillance? We do that now? Andrew asked. I thought this agency was all about helping people with problems of the more supernatural variety. Actually, it is little on the supernatural side. Jim put two folders on the table. This is from a jewelry store downtown, Herschel's Diamonds. It's not exactly a mom-and-pop store, but it's not a warehouse either. They have been experiencing some kind of... Well, they think it's a ghost. I'm not so sure. A ghost haunting a jewelry store? How so? Things have been vanishing. Diamonds, emeralds, stuff like that. Mostly things on display, but they have been vanishing from a locked store with all the alarms set. 
Apparently, it's already cost them a substantial sum because the insurance is refusing to cover it. The police can't really do anything, so the owner came to us. What about surveillance videos from inside the store? Do things just vanish into thin air? Andrew got up and poured himself a cup of coffee. Actually, that's exactly what happens. Sometimes they've had alarms going off for movement, but whenever the owner got there, no one was inside the store and the jewels were gone. None of their own cameras have caught anything, apparently. Sounds interesting. I'd be glad to work that one. Wait a moment, Mercedes protested. I want to work on it. I'm good with jewels. You mean you're good at wearing them, Andrew said. Exactly. I have an instinctive connection with them. Mercedes winked at him. Especially diamonds. Actually, I would go with Andrew on this one, Mercedes. He's the one experienced in surveillance. Besides, you haven't heard about the other case yet. Okay, fair enough. What's the other one? It concerns some odd happenings by a place called Abbott's Lagoon. It's out by the coast north of town. Abbott's Lagoon? Are you kidding? That's where we're going to have the party. The whole graduating class will be there. Graduating class, Andrew said. I thought you worked here full time. I do, but I've been taking some evening classes in business administration for a while. I thought it might benefit Jim to have somebody who could actually do a budget and taxes for the company. And I appreciate that. But if you guys are planning to have a party out there, that might not be the best idea. The area has experienced some odd happenings recently. Like what? Jim opened the other folder and leafed through the pages. First, a lady walking her dog out there claimed she was attacked by what she thought were live role players. They were wearing furs, skins, and apparently used stone knives. I thought role players used foam swords, Mercedes said. I think they do. But these guys apparently attacked her and grabbed her dog. They ran off with it, but she saw them, uh... Jim cleared his throat. She saw them begin to eat it. Ew, Mercedes said. None of the people in fur were caught. Once the cops showed up, they were gone without a trace, but that was just the first report. He turned to the next page. A few weeks later, two campers reported seeing people fencing on the shore of the lake. They were dressed in what they reported as colored cloaks. One of them was disarmed and apparently surrendered. Here's a drawing the campers made. Jim held up the paper. Andrew and Mercedes both looked at the drawing. It looked most of all like a costume from the Three Musketeers, complete with the fleur-de-lis on the front. Apparently, they were also carrying flintlock pistols. They cleared out before the campers got hurt, fortunately. So, cavemen and French musketeers are haunting the shore? Andrew asked. You've yet to hear the best one. Three days ago, a taxi driver had parked out there to take his lunch break. He was attacked by... Well, he turned to the last page in the folder. It was a magnification of a photo, obviously taken with a cell phone camera from inside a car. In it, several men in fur coats and hats were pounding on the front and side windows. They all had a vague Asian look to them, but looked very stocky and strong. In their hands were swords and knives, which they held up in a very threatening manner. 
They look far more serious than any of the live role-player groups Andrew had seen in Washington. What the hell are they dressed up to be? He asked. Mongol soldiers. Genghis Khan's era, give or take a decade or two. But I don't think they're dressed up. I think there might be some kind of time hole out there, with people from the past crossing into ours. And we're going to investigate it. That sounds really exciting, Mercedes said. Plus, I can go to the party and investigate. That's overtime, right? As I was saying, I don't think it's such a good idea for you to have your party out there. Can't you call your classmates and have it moved to a different location? We've already paved the catering, and they set up the lights and stuff this morning. I don't really think they'd be pleased about moving it. Besides, if we're there, then it should be safe, right? We can protect them if the Mongols attack? Jim breathed deeply. So far, no one's been hurt, if you don't count the dog. But all three times the people who appeared have been armed and ready to use their weapons. Yes, if we go, we can bring weapons. But I would be more comfortable having as few people there as possible. Sorry, Jim. I just think it's too late to change it. I mean, the party is tonight. But hey, you could come along. You can be like one of those adults who always watch the parties in high school. A chaperone. Fine, I'll stick around for the party in case something happens. But I am not going to chaperone. Mercedes tilted her head. Oh, come on. Are you saying you wouldn't even dance with me? I haven't danced since Glenn Miller crashed his plane. Music was never the same since then. Really? You should try it sometime. It's great fun. Jim dancing, Andrew said, smiling. That's a sight I pay money to see. I'll have you know I was a very good dancer back in the day. Jim closed the folder. So Andrew, the jewelry store, and Mercedes and I do the possible time hole. Any objections? Nope, Andrew said. But if I'm going to go out without you guys, isn't about time I got a badge or a card or something? Jim nodded. I suppose you're right. He left the kitchen and returned with a laminated plastic card. This isn't exactly an FBI badge, but it at least says you work for us. Mercedes should already have printed some cards for you. Andrew put the card in his wallet. Yeah, she did that. He picked up the folder and held it up in front of him. I'll go look at this and head downtown to talk to the owner. Since you guys will be at the party, I guess I'll see you tomorrow. Unless you plan to crash the party, Mercedes said, smiling. I'd love to dance with you. Her voice had taken on a flirtatious tone that Andrew didn't seem to notice. A bunch of business administration geeks partying dressed as cowboys? No thanks. Besides, my chaps are at the cleaners. But get a picture of Jim dressed up as a cowboy. It would go great on the reception wall. I hate to disappoint you, Picard, but I have no plans to dress up whatsoever. Mercedes looked disappointed at him. Really? Not even a hat? Not even a bandana. I'll be there to observe, not to dress up. What's your costume? Andrew asked Mercedes as he got to his feet. Native American princess. I look super cute. Too bad you won't get to see it. 